Social media alone won't fix your business. It's possible to have bold social and still have a bleeding business. You are listening to the Lesson She Learned podcast, produced by The Base Agency and hosted by Zania Blue. This podcast is the place where we stop and reflect on the lessons we are learning in life and business. What can I say? It's the messy and the majestic process of growing through your business's awkward phase. Get comfortable as we dive into today's episode. So maybe about three or five, anywhere between three and five years ago. So like pre, pre-pandemic and also pre-baby, I spent a lot of time kind of just like going out, learning how to be social, learning how to enjoy um, talking to people uh, because I thought that I was very much introverted, um, but I realized I just need to be interested. <laughs> if I'm interested, all my introverted habits or introverted ways, they kind of all of a sudden disappear. And when I mention in conversation that I'm usually more reserved or that I have a piece about being by myself, people are like, what? And I just, that's just something I was committed, committed to learning how to do, how to have conversations, how to build relationships, how to build relationships that don't feel like you finna ask me for something. Um, those are little things that I, I really wanted to do. And I have, the friendships and some of the network to allow me to do some of those things. And so especially being based out of North New Jersey and then being so close to the city, it has always been very easy for me to kind of just like pick up and go, um, meet people, connect with people and all that jazz. But I wanted to talk about how social, having social and being on social does not inherently fix your business. And Leaning into that 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 thought a little bit more, I didn't want to just say, oh no, social can't fix the business, but I wanted to say that it's possible to have bold social and still have a bleeding business. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I I would say that I grew up in the in the internet and Instagram era when it pertains to business. I followed a couple of people who seemed like they were in business, who seemed like they were very involved in business, and I was excited to see them. What I didn't realize was I was orienting myself towards people who sell online exclusively. And people who are in online business in a variety of different ways. So for example, influencers are in online business. Um, People who don't consider themselves influencers, but who might consider themselves affiliate marketers, uh, the the difference might be stylized, even though they're relatively similar. Um, That's a kind of internet business. Uh, Being a YouTuber or a content creator, internet business. Someone who sells services um, or consulting or digital products, again, internet businesses. And before I had an internet business, um, I actually had a subscription box company called Easy Living Box. Technically, I still have it. Um, It is just absolutely not active, not active at all. One of the things that I realized in learning about having a subscription box company and learning about how heavy 
pun intended, <laughs> it is to carry a business like that and to execute a business like that. I would have never learned, understood, or realized that for myself if I wasn't in the right environment where I learned about things that weren't the aesthetics of something. And I think the biggest mistake that I used to make was assuming that what I see is all there is. And so I would look at someone with a digital-based business and be like, oh, that's what they have? Anybody could do that. Let's do that. And so when I was realizing that there's so much on the back end sustaining a sales process or sales strategy or things like that, I ended up learning that in real life conversations from people asking me real questions just because we're taking the time and we've come outside to get to know each other and to build some relationships. And I was I was mistakenly okay, so how am I put this? There are a cup there are a handful I can't even quantify them real quick because I didn't write them down, but there are a handful of mistakes that I made. One of them was like not knowing whether I wanted to focus on being B2B or B2C. Now, the thing that I thought was that having a pop in social, having people who like the post, who share the post would automatically make you a successful business. What I didn't realize is that if you don't have a business to consumer business, you don't really need to be on social. Why? Because your customer isn't on social. You just want to be liked. And so that's something that I had to work through. How do I do I want to build a business in which it's kind of it doesn't necessarily require the things that I'm seeing and that I've learned to value, which is that popularity aspect, that vi- that viral aspect of business when it comes to digital marketing online. Meanwhile, I'm talking with the multi-million do- multimillionaire next door and their followers are in the 200s, but they don't have no problem with cash flow and their business is profitable. And so I started to pay more attention to those kinds of things. And it's so funny that unless I was talking to a content creator um, who has built a personal brand, most people didn't actually or naturally have the audience that I assumed I was supposed to have in order to have a business that you could be proud of. A lot of these people were so busy building the business that the, the reputation that they have is in the profitability or the structure or the strength of the business that they had built. And it was from me not really knowing how to quantify what I was looking at. Also, not even being able to discern what's authentic, what's strong, and what's real. I started to kind of set vanity metrics as a huge part of my standard for success. So I could feel successful not being profitable, but feeling liked. And if we're going to keep it a buck, that's something I had to work through in therapy, like in therapy therapy, and in prayer and in everything beyond that personal development, because I needed to be able to serve people without needing my somebody to clap for me every couple of minutes. And so it meant having the kind of focus and the kind of dedication a person has to have in order to build a business 
and leverage social without making social seem like it is the fullness of your business. The only reason I'm talking about this is because I thought that it was the end all be all. I thought if I didn't have over a certain number of likes, if I didn't have over a certain number of followers for a very long time, that it just wouldn't pop. I was like, it just won't hit. I just, I don't understand why I can't get past the threshold. And there were a couple of reasons as to why that was. But one of the main things I needed to consider was why I wanted to reach that threshold in the first place. I needed to make sure I wasn't bringing my identity issues, uh, my 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 desire to be liked, my desire f- to have a hand clap every couple of minutes. I had to make sure that that wasn't the thing I was trying to use to guide my income, to, to guide how well I served people, how well I was at building relationships. And it's also a super poor quantifier that uh, that people tend to use when they're trying to gauge how serious or professional a person might be. Because when you meet someone and they are who they are in real life, but you're so busy kind of using those digital metrics to, to, to kind of decide how you're going to treat someone, almost as if like, you know how people come up to you and they meet you and they go, oh, so what do you do? And they start to decide how seriously they're going to take you based on what your response is. It seems like for me, the opposite was true in my (laughs) millennial mind of like, oh, like, you know, let's connect on Instagram. When I get to your Instagram, I'll know what's up. When in reality, that's that's not real life. That's that's so not real life. And even kind of people kind of pulling the, the covers back on social over the last maybe three years talking about how a lot of people who have amassed a lot of eyes are not also creating a lot of revenue because they're so attractive. They've become entertaining and in becoming entertaining haven't necessarily built the authority to be able to sell or deliver anything. And I know that things are changing even now as Instagram has done what it, they've started to make um, buying badges because people are live be a thing, which makes content creation itself arguably somewhat profitable. And now they have even um, the uh, the subscriptions. And so now you can kind of like pay into someone's kind of content or insight and get exclusive access to different things or kind of stay supporting continuously this brand or business that's kind of creating content on this regular basis. And they're doing so much to kind of monetize the big effort and honestly, the big dollars that goes into creating content. And I had to, at some point, pause and be like, girl, do you want to be a content creator? Because you seem like you're using the metrics from a different industry from that has different goals and a different focus and trying to kind of put that into this this business that's two degrees shy from being a brick and mortar if we're going to keep it a buck because of the way that I had set my business up. And so one, acknowledging, yo, like, am I business to business or am I business to consumer will help you start to weed out what kind of things you're doing because people do them versus the kinds of things you want to be doing because they must be done for you in your business. So that was the first thing for me personally, making those adjustments and getting that focus in. The next thing I needed to go ahead and do was start to make sure that I had a clear path or plan from whatever medium that I was using to get those sales in to 
knowing how to go ahead and sell them. And so because of the kind of business that I had, I needed to build relationships and education, um, pretty much education. So I needed my, cause my, the people who have to consume my product were students, college students, and the people who I wanted to purchase uh, my product uh, were essentially organizations and colleges. And I did it that way because I knew based on who I wanted to serve, my boxes would be out of the price range for most households on average. But, and because it would be considered a luxury, it's not necessarily something that would need to be prioritized. But I do know the people who do have those budgets and who would be able to buy in bulk so I wouldn't have to fret with selling a box at a time, but instead I could sell 50, 100, or 250 boxes at a time. Um, I could do that with colleges, um, charging them what I have to charge them and so, so that I could reach a point of profitability after some certain number of boxes are sold, um, and also to create content tracks so that I'm delivering those boxes on a regular basis. What I didn't realize um, was that almost none of that is on social. (laughs) And I needed to make sure that my business structure and my business plan were helping me build a business and not just repair my self-esteem. And I think that we go to, I went to, I'm not going to speak for nobody else. I went to social as a redemptive space to learn how to celebrate and share and present myself. But it, it, at some point it had to go beyond that because the thing about it is no matter what you do, if you aren't on a path to increasing that revenue or getting to points of profit, this isn't a business anymore. This is just something you like to do. This is like a hobby. This is something you do for fun not for profit, which is the nature of a business. And it wasn't a nonprofit because it wasn't giving back to anybody but myself. And so I had to be honest with myself and be honest about the fact that social wouldn't solve all my problems. Um, I want to say the last solo episode that I published, I was talking about how I would think about my business in segments. And so for this business in particular, it was the most dangerous thing ever to think about it in segments because I had to do a lot of calling, go to a lot of networking events, schedule a lot of calls, um, submit a lot of invoices, never mind the fact that I sourced the materials myself, looking for sponsors, were things I did by myself and for myself, and also getting all of those materials that would go in the box shipped to my whole home so that my I could no longer see my floors, and then fulfilling those boxes. So literally assembling and packaging each of them and then going ahead and shipping them out myself. I said, this 13 businesses, I don't have, I don't, mm -mm." first of all, I knew I was like, I would be willing to make this adjustment. I started thinking about going to get things outsourced, but then I was like, "Mm, that cuts into my profit margin by a lot and shipping is its own expense. And that cut into my profit margin, like a murderer and a thief. And so I was just like, bro, (laughs) I'm tired. Never mind the fact that I also needed to increase uh, my, I needed to increase the value that I provided digitally as well, as far as um, I didn't know it at the time, but 
essentially in, in the form of like free master classes to all of the students. I had a mobile application that went along with the box that had articles and tips and tools and resources. At the time, I was kind of working out the kinks of trying to start a podcast that was talking about business or industry, whatever. Um, also, anybody who's listening to this and they see and they have the room and the ability in their bandwidth and, you know, Take all of the ideas you need to take in order for you to execute on a high level. But at the end of the day, I realized, yo, this is big. Me, this content, the apps, the the sourcing products, um, the getting them public, like personally branded, so mugs and cups and notebooks and all those things, and then selling and all the all the materials and you know. Also having a super intense job at the time where I could be working anywhere between 10 and 12 hours a day, I was like, yeah, I'm tired. (laughs) Um, And I had to make some adjustments and decide, is this the best thing for me? And is this something that I care to focus on right now? Do I feel strongly enough about this to be willing to do the hard work and not the work that is deemed glamorous, not the work that will make your peers clap for you? Because one of the things that Um, a lot of business owners talk about, they talk about the difference between what other business owners can see and what other business owners understand and what other business owners will say versus what your mom will say versus what your friends from college will say. Um, And the thing is, people who are not in the business space, they don't know what to clap for, but they appreciate your effort and they see you building traction. But people in business know when something is starting to bleed you dry and it's costing you more than it can afford to cost you. Um, It's about to cost you the shirt off your back if you're not careful. And so I think that one of the things that I realized was that having a strong and a solid business model with a strong and solid sales process means knowing what it looks like to go and get in front of your audience. And it is not always a healthy bet to assume that your audience is on your favorite platform to consume on. One of the other things that we talked about in the the last solo episode that we published was the, the kind of what did I call it? Like a segment or the phases. And so we talked about how there are five phases that people tend to look at when they're building a business and the customer sees um, content and then they see that, oh, now I'm in a funnel. Um, And and now that they're in a funnel, they're starting to see things like the messaging. Um, They're starting to see that, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this target market. And once they work all their way through the funnel and they experience the fullness of the things that you've prepared, they see this offer. And that's the consumer perspective. But the business owner perspective is literally in reverse. The business owner is considering the offer itself. Considering the target market, me at that time, I couldn't, I couldn't really rest because I was so, I was so used to being a consumer that I couldn't think like a business owner for a really, really long time. And so, even though it made more fiscal sense um, and more effort-based sense to sell to businesses that are colleges, colleges are businesses, and to sell to organizations that were willing to buy my boxes in bulk, so I wasn't like doing one by one, I was able to do a a greater scale at that point. And 
I, I just didn't want to commit to him because I, I wasn't entirely sure or confident about leaving this platform with the only thing that I recognized from my business. Everything else about my business felt completely new. But I was like, oh, I want to hold on to this. I, this is the one thing I feel like I know how to do. And even from, and it's so ridiculous, but even from the marketing that I was doing um, for that business, I wasn't even paying close enough attention and messed around and got marketing clients and consults and all this stuff because I was showing, I was able and willing to show up for that business. But I wasn't really paying as much attention as I absolutely should have been paying attention to my business model and what it looks like to be successful in the model that I have. And using the wrong KPI or the wrong key performance indicators in in the wrong medium, in the wrong platforms to market could make you successful to the wrong people, could make you attractive to a non-customer. And so, no, social won't save the business because you still have to build the rest of the business. And so that's developing a strong offer so that the net value of a customer is high and their time with you is long. And if not that, then at least you have a high volume of sales and you know that you have to have the advantage of never running out of people. So you just need to know, man, am I doing ads? What, what kind of evergreen marketing am I going to be doing to make sure that I never have a shortage of exposures because I'm depending on volume? It's, it's, little, it's things like that. It's knowing what the messaging is, the branding is going to be for this so that it's attractive, not to the people you want to be impressed, but to be attractive to your actual customer making sure you're talking to them in the right places, whether that's calling them, meeting them in person, or talking to them on social, just knowing what that's supposed to be like and knowing what is the sale process for when somebody says, you know what, I think I would like to know more. Are you now abrasive and just sending them a link to enroll? Or do you have a way for them to actually learn more that may or may not be dependent on you and your live time? And then after that, what what comes next? Let's say a person is ready to go ahead and buy. Do you have a plan or a process for making sure that after they have purchased, you know what should come next? You know what information you have to collect. You know what has to go out to them. It's so much more than the presentation. It's a real business in the back end. I had to learn the hard way. And it was a painful process because I was very tired doing this point. I'm out here working 10, 12 hour days, waking up dumb early to work on this business, going to bed dumb late working on this business, and then having a full work day in which I worked. My mantra at the time was work until it's done. And so me working on my business didn't mean I wanted to slack at work. My time at my job was two things. It was a training ground for how to run a business, just watching people move with integrity. But it was also the practice for this principle that I still work really hard to employ, which is do it until it's done. I was so, for a really long time, my success in high school and college just wasn't there because I had, I had already decided when I started, I'm only going to do this for an hour. I don't got time for all of this. This this is too long. This is too much. 
I didn't start seeing different fruit in my life when I started the when I started to until I started to plant, I should say. Do it until it's done mindset. Which meant sometimes I was up later, sometimes I worked longer, sometimes I had to submit more effort, sometimes I had to ask for more help. But it also meant that my grades were better. I had a greater peace about whatever grade got back to me because I knew I didn't hold back on it because I was I was aggressively curious. And so what I'm saying is social alone won't fix the business. Building the business fixes the business. And if you are making any of the same mistakes that I was, I hope that even if you still have to learn it from your own lived experience, that you can use like this moment as the first seed planted in your mind to be able to ask yourself, yo, am I building the business or am I building the Instagram? And even though they're doing everything that they can to be a hefty part of your business model, you cannot depend explicitly on a platform you do not own, do not control and cannot run. And that one day or another, which is it's happened to me two times and I think it happened to my husband at 10K, you could lose complete access. And so what are you going to do to make sure that you have full autonomy, full control over your business and to make sure that you have developed it successfully so that you aren't building a glorified hobby, but you're building something that will feed your house and possibly even be the source of survival for someone else as well. And so I'm grateful to have, like, have shared these lessons. Um, even though I love that business, that business needed more than what I was willing to give. And I was like, man, I had a lot of vision for it, but I feel like, I feel like I can't, I'm not growing with the pace of work that I see is required. Like it wants more than I'm willing to give. And so I had to make some adjustments myself. I had to go and I had to learn, I had to take classes. Listen, I was in those Rockers business school classes like this, I'm going to get it or I'm going to get it. And I learned what I needed to learn. I, I asked questions and I made the best decision for myself. And even though it, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of awkward to say that this isn't the business that I have now, the base agency group, like it's not my first business, but I'm grateful to be able to say that I made the best decision for myself. I learned so many lessons along the way. It's the first business I started by myself. Um, I was a part of, I want to say, two family-owned businesses even before that, doing the same thing that I'm doing right now, <laughs> which is uh, the marketing. Um, I did I did all of the web design for those businesses, even though I don't personally do that anymore. Um, and I've learned so much. And most of what I learned is that the things that we think aren't a part of the business in a significant way, the things that feel just plainly beautiful or completely aesthetic, they are a part of the business. And so everything from the content to the offer itself want to be well connected and intentionally connected together and be willing to learn the hard lessons, look at yourself and adjust. I was able to learn a lot of things about myself and where I needed to grow from looking at how I functioned with jobs, looking at how I functioned with businesses and 
just acknowledging that something isn't right and just being committed to looking that area in the face and not being willing to look away until it's healed, not being willing to look away until I've matured. Um, And so I'm grateful to even be like documenting the moment where I realize like my aha moment where I'm like, yo, that's not it. And this is what it is. Thank you again for uh, staying tuned for this episode. Um, it was It's kind of like a little cathartic, but it feels a little vulnerable sometimes to share lessons like these, but I'm grateful for it. I pray you're blessed by it. And so until next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Um, I had a lot of fun recording it and just thinking creatively about different aspects of business and different lessons that we're all learning along the way if you enjoyed today's episode i would love to see like a quote or a snippet um that felt that you felt like really resonated with you um feel free to tag me on instagram at the base agency group um for shares and if you have any questions that you wanted to ask or if you have any topics that you would love to see broken down um or even love for us to kind of reflect on as like a case study we absolutely can and of course if you really enjoyed today's episode and you wanted to kind of take your love to the next level, uh, feel free to leave us a review, rate and review, because it helps people just like you who need tips just like these to go ahead and develop their business with clarity and confidence. And so feel free to support just in that way, leaving that review, leaving those stars, and we will see you next time.